Ja, hello and good evening to Tech Talk November 25th, 2021. Good evening, DC. How are you? Hi, Mark. Yeah, not evening in, on German side, so it's the middle of the day, 12 o'clock <laughs> lunchtime. <laughs> Hopefully, a lot of people are joining this last Tech Talk in 2022. Yeah, right. Absolutely. No, 2021, then 2022, we proceed. <laughs> absolutely. Hey, we brought a big team tonight. We've got a lot of exciting news to talk about, not even yeah, tech news today. Yesterday was new show. And let's welcome the whole team and see who is hiding behind the scenes. So let me switch the camera. Here we are, Yusin Prasana Fushin. Good evening, good afternoon, wherever you are. How are you guys? Oh, hey, we're great. Thanks, thanks for having us again. Cool. Hey, we are yep, so... we have a really tight, uh, action-packed um, presentation today on a couple of things. Really, we said we're gonna we're gonna do about an hour today, and you brought a lot of new stuff. So <laughs> I would say we jump right in, guys. Who is the first one to present tonight? So, so we're gonna we're gonna go with uh, three sections, okay. uh, three segments. Uh, so one, uh, the first one will be Prasanna. He's gonna talk about uh, updates and progress, and also uh, on bug bounties. And Fushin is gonna talk on our product updates. Uh, and uh, and and the third one will be myself talking about basically a sneak peek on what's come uh, what's coming in 2022. Uh, kind of give a, a projection a little bit on what's coming and some um, got some some uh, future looking stuff and then last segment will be q a and basically anyone has any question we'll try to answer them wow yeah so, sounds like a lot of stuff to cover tonight okay awesome <laughs> thanks for the intro uh yusin then we jump right into prasana's or did you say prasana you start right yeah okay yeah good me. uh Let's hi everyone it. yeah thank you so much for having me uh it's nice to be back here again uh, yeah, looks like last 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 time it was uh, had to end up pulling a terminal, so I'm determined not to do that this time <laughs> and to keep it short. So, <laughs> uh, all right. So um, I thought you know perhaps we can just uh, start with a, an update on the state of the network, where it is right now. Now that uh, Fort Canning is actually out and uh, everybody has upgraded to it. Um, so okay, so let's jump right in and uh, let's start out with yeah so the past versus the present um yeah a lot of dots in there so what basically this is is it's the difference in the block time uh time between each of the blocks so that's just uh, thrown around in the graph uh here so because one of the pain points that we've been getting feedback on is has always been uh while while the blockchain average is 30 second but everybody has been there where they put in a transaction has to wait a very, very long time. Sometimes it may take up to 20 minutes. Uh, so that's something that we are looking into and uh, progressively fixing it, uh, uh, rather solving it little by little in each of the uh, each of the upgrades. So food canning was, although the major focus was on loans, uh, now that's out there, but the smaller ones, we've already been working on block times. And the, the graph on the left, is the time for Unospire. It's 25,000 blocks uh, right before Fort Canning. And then the graph on the right is 25,000 blocks right after Fort Canning. And what you're looking at here is the narrowing of that band. Uh, so which means the time frames in which each of the blocks coming in is actually now thickening, which is a really good thing. And uh, yeah, so that's sort of the gist of it. Um, now here is the same thing in terms of the histogram where we can see that now the, the smaller windows, the, the ones which are very close, you're seeing more of that. And then the larger distribution where, you know, you have to wait for a very long time. All of that has significantly reduced in Fort Canning. Um, yeah, so that's the block time and not just the block time. Another major thing is one of the reasons for this, uh, for even if the block time is actually good, it doesn't make a difference uh, if those blocks are just empty blocks. Right, where your transaction is actually not going in there. Uh, so again, pre-foot uh, pre canning on the left, where we see the zero transaction block. So the left one is actually the empty block, which is sitting at, out of 25,000 blocks that we're looking at, we're seeing there somewhere around, uh, what, 13K plus with empty blocks. And then now post-foot uh, canning, we're seeing that level drop all the way down to less than 
uh, around eight. Uh, so yeah, we're not done here. This is uh, already, I think it's been about like close to a double improvement. Uh, so hopefully all of the users are also seeing this. Uh, it might not be super obvious, but then small reliability. Uh, and we'll continue to see that forward with the next one as well. Uh, so yeah, I think uh, I started out with this because I think it's a, sort of a good way to say the network on the difficulty all stabilized, it's running stable, and it's actually it's, it's much better than what we expected and what we uh, aimed for. So it's, it's been a pleasant uh, news there. Uh, so that's Fort Canning. Um, and now, uh, after comparing the past, now just to launch preview, loans have been, as everybody knows, been preview uh, since the very next day, I believe, uh, after Fort Canning upgrade was out there. So uh, as of today, uh, of course, these numbers might be different. Uh, maybe it hit 100. Uh, it would have been nice if from the point I created this to uh, now it might have actually hit 100. Uh, we don't know. So, But there are, even in a preview stage, uh, it's, it's quite incredible. I think the community is actively trying to get things in there. Even with no rewards, people are testing it. So that's, that's really great. Um, so we have about 100 walls and 1.5 million uh, dollars worth of value already there. Uh, even though you know the the full full shebang is not there, and but more to that later. Uh, I think we'll cover that in the later presentation. Uh, okay, there's that, and um, so now a uh, couple of next things. Uh, I just want to touch a little bit on. Not going to go into too much details, but just a little bit on uh, what we are planning for the next quarter, and then uh, a couple of how we how our general outlook is towards development. Uh, one of the things that I think frustrated a lot of developers as well uh, is the, due to the massive changes that came in uh, Fort Canning, a lot of APIs broke and a lot of people who were using the, these APIs, some we didn't even know we were using some of these APIs, uh, but it was a pain point for everybody having to upgrade. Uh, so uh, we wanted to formalize that a little bit to make sure that you know these are things that we can work together with the community because uh, after all it is a community project so we want to reduce that pain and how we can follow a little bit more systematic way to these upgrades um so like versioning is again uh, you know in the tech world semver is semantic versioning is a very very established technique and it's it's fantastic but one of the things is with a blockchain like ours where uh, it is very intentional that we are going to have network upgrades every, uh, you know, almost every couple of releases. And it, so far, I think it's been happening every couple of months. So uh, while we're working about it in this manner, so there is the network and then there is the software itself, the client and then the protocol. So because of the various components to it, similar itself, uh, we felt that it doesn't make uh, give us a complete solution because at the end of the day, if somewhere the basics of it is that each of the major version, which is the main network upgrade uh, labeled in the presentation, is going to keep bumping up for every network upgrade or rather every hot fork. But that reduces the meaning of major upgrades because if there are unplanned protocol upgrades or security upgrades that we have to do, that will still break everything. But then each of those, if it goes as a major release, you can't, it's, it's very it becomes very difficult to associate it with, okay, what is a Fort Canning release? What is a 2.0? What is a 3.0? So it dilutes the meaning of uh, the actual version numbers and it makes everything difficult to follow. So one of the things that we decided to do is adapt somewhere just a little bit where the major version is always going to indicate the main network upgrade or the, that's going to be the planned network upgrade. So Fort Canning, which is 2.0, and then the next one, Great World, is going to be 3.0. So that when that a major one happens, that pretty much all, uh, of course, we're going to try and maintain as much backward comparability as possible, but all guarantees are off. So people should be expected uh, to ensure that you know nothing breaks. Uh, if something breaks, you know you, you have to adapt to it. So we'll again on time frame of, of this is another part of the equation. We'll come back to that in just a bit, but that's going to be about the major upgrades and then. The, the second one, the minor version, the one in between, is going to be particularly dedicated to unplanned or security updates, 
if at all we want to make the ideal is we don't have it at all so it just remains in zero uh but uh you know uh, it's it's life I, I we can't always aim for the ideal so preparing for that that's where if those updates happen we will try uh, rpcs are not something that we want to try and break compatibility uh, on that manner so the minor ones mainly intended towards security related upgrades similar to the emergency one that happened uh for fort canning so uh that's the second one and then third one is where we're going to keep bringing in the quality of life improvements and uh, additional features that does not require a network upgrade so those are ones which you can blindly keep updating uh so we will ensure that it doesn't break any of the rpcs or protocols so as long as it's there and of course that is also optional it might have performance fixes and all of those but if you feel like you don't need it you know you can just feel free to continue uh but the other two are ideal or intended to be uh mandatory upgrades for the network to actually function um yeah so there's that with the release versioning clarified next is the cadence uh now again it just again ties back to some of the uh you know experiences and feedbacks that we've gotten so far uh you know it's it's been it's really been disheartening people have been uh, you know broken due to these very large upgrades um so the amount of releases a year i think is always a nice question that everybody likes to ask uh but the there's a very specific reason where i've written it as end releases a year uh we don't know uh what's the intended goal of it i think people are free to uh you know try to try to surmise from the development phase uh so we want to target around somewhere on the lines of uh, you know one to four it could be one it could be four uh, i don't want to go to a specific number per year but uh the the phases of development i think that's what's more important so the main development phase after each release is going to be about two months at this point in time whatever for the next release uh you know if you're not prepared to deal with any of the things that are breaking don't go in there uh waiting for reviews uh you know all, all of those it might be better for you to wait a little bit because this is where the crux of the development happens uh crux of the uh, experimentation all of that will happen uh by the team so main development approximate estimation we expect it to go on about two months and then comes a finalization phase which is going to be where the apis are going to be frozen and uh, syncing with uh, the product side uh, other users in the community uh, how they're affected or you know feedback in there before we actually finalize so that that period we intended to go for around a month where we can gather all of these so this is a time where uh, heavy users of the blockchain node itself can come back and look at okay is some of these changes that's going to affect me and then provide uh, have this time period for feedback as well so before we actually get in and after the finalization phase is going to be the testing uh, again that's going to go on for a month that's the phase where we would love for everybody to join the bandwagon help us test and uh, you know I, I i don't have to like talk about the community testing i think they've done a wonderful job and like again continuous feedback has been coming in so really appreciate the work there and uh, that last month is going to be dedicated for that so people also don't have to you know worry too much about the constant breaking updates before that so they can enter into that final last uh you know the merging of those last two phases and then start looking at okay what is that next release going to look like um okay so that's the release cadence of it now getting into what's next uh we 2.2.2 which is going to be the next one which uh, in the coming weeks we expect to uh have a small it's going to be a minor upgrade uh quality of life upgrade if you want to upgrade it great you know there are a number of helpful features out there but if you don't want to i think that you know you can still continue on in the 2.2.1 that's there or 2.2. yeah which whichever major version that you're in right now and uh the the major the key features that we are looking at for this is one is the list vault history uh this is an rpc uh, right now our focus has been just delivering the consensus so that network can upgrade all of these features that are enabled but people using the rpc uh while rpc itself is not super easy to use but even for developers there are like a lot of things that you don't really get easy access to like getting a specific insights on the vault it's very bare bone right now and so the list vault history 
provides a lot more insights into what's happening from a particular world's perspective. And all of these are also uh, behind the scenes indexed, so it's going to be super fast. Uh, you don't have to keep waiting as the wall, number of walls grow. Uh, so uh, it's, it's going to provide access to all of these almost instantly. And for people who are building insights based on uh, the walls that are happening, it's going to provide a lot more information on what was the precise state before a wall got liquidated, and then what each of the actions are that's happening in a, from a wall perspective. And then um, a couple of small helpers around estimating loans and estimating collateral. Uh, people who have used the RPC now, I think they might know that uh, you know there's no straightforward way to estimate it unless you do the calculations yourself or just go and try. So it's going to be quality of releases based on that, uh, quality of life improvements on that. And then uh, there are quite a few performance improvements. Uh, there's already been a few in 2.2.1 um, where uh, due to certain reasons, every block, uh, the, the, all of the walls were iterated. So that's already been uh, improved there. Uh, we don't do it now. And there's still a little bit more work depending on the mempool. Uh, so those should uh, help with the performance a little bit more. Again, performance is, I think, is going to be a continuous story, which uh, we will from this point on continue to see minor improvements along with each upgrades. Uh, and then the last one is there are also going to be some consistency upgrades uh, with respect to the RPC. Uh, right now, list, they're largely classifying it in some way. Many of the RPCs start with either list or get. Um, and uh, due to some of the previous legacy code that we also, uh, you know, we, some took in from Bitcoin and then some in early development stages, uh, there were not a lot of consistency between them. So now we are beginning to build that consistency, but we are also trying to think of it in a way where we don't break compatibility uh, with what's existing out there. So uh, people, a lot of people who are relying on to build insights and analytics on there don't get broken. So we're introducing another additional art attribute called JSON format. And that JSON format, you can specify whether you want an object or you want an array. And then uh, the current RPCs will remain exactly the way they are. But for future RPCs, list any any rpc that start with list will default to json format as an array and then anything that's get will default to an object json format as an object so there's a bit more consistency in how you can, you can expect these rpcs to behave um yeah so that's the next 2.2.2 and then comes the next larger one uh it's going to be hopefully sometime in q1 uh of 2022 the major feature there is going to be uh, i think uh, we've already talked about it a little bit, uh, which is going to be on-chain governance. Uh, so I won't go into detail on that. Uh, and the white paper, the pink paper there is evolving there as well. So I, I think people can follow there. Uh, that's going to be the large one. And then we're also planning to introduce uh, DFDX, each of the protocols for DFDX messages to be versioned. And uh, so that, that helps people deal with uh, version breakages easier. And from the node side, it helps development and for all the products out there. I think that that'll, it adds a little bit more of a predictability and determinism to the project uh, and the protocol itself. So that's going to be another one. And along with that, we're also going to introduce an expiry for all of the transactions that go into the blockchain. Um, the major reasoning behind it is that there are some RPCs out there, some protocol messages out there where, for instance, uh, pool swap is a great example where you can put in uh, a, a specific pool swap message, but it may not necessarily get validated at that point in time. But at a much later point in time, when the pool swap variables itself has changed, when the prices itself has changed, that transaction can still linger around and then go through at a later point in time. Um, so these are something that we want to start addressing. So an expiry is going to be completely optional one uh, that people can put into. And the node will start defaulting to a, a reasonable expiry for each of each of the transaction. But it's always going to be client, uh, client. The node can specify what the expiry should be. Very similar to how the transaction fees work, for example, uh, today, where each of the node is free to pick up its own fees and then broadcast it out there. So transaction expiry is going to be a similar concept that uh, we are aiming to introduce in V3.0. And uh, of course, then again, more block time improvements. Uh, I, I 
don't have much to add at the moment, but there are a lot more interesting experiments going on there to improve that far more. And uh, the other one that we are spending time on is cleaning up uh, a lot of the code here, bringing in more safety improvements. C++ 17, I think PRs, the PRs for that are already in there. And there is a large move to, uh, to, to continue to move, uh, step, modernize our code base. And the Rust journey, which I think has been mentioned here and there, uh, that's finally starting. Uh, so end of this year, we also start beginning to figure out, okay, what is the, the major one that we want to focus on for the Rust journey and then introduce that. So uh, this is hopefully the rough picture on it. Um, and then, yeah, next I'll just touch upon the bug bounties really quick. Um, so the major bounties that were handed off um, I, I, and which were all community uh, discovered for the Fort Canning cycle was one is BTC anchor payment values. Um, we got a community uh, discovery where the anchors were not actually validated on chain. The, the nodes will set um, 100,000 Satoshis as the fees for whenever somebody uh, anchors onto Bitcoin, but it was never actually validated by the node. And so that, that was a, a great catch. And then it was, um, you know, it was uh, exposed to us. And then, uh, but one of the, the, the interesting things there was that that was never the intent. The intention was not there to have a minimum fees. The intention was such that uh, the minimum fees was about the oh, is, is such is so that it was actually a valid transaction. So, or uh, in uh, to be more precise, just about BTC dust. Anything about BTC dust is a valid transaction. So we in fact ended up clarifying the intention there and then removing it entirely. Uh, so now anchor payment uh, there there is there is no anchor fees as long as you set a valid uh, any any number of satoshis about BTC dust. Uh, you can set an anchor. And that was uh, one. And then uh, it, it was still a bug bounty because I think the impact of that was pretty large because people are now spending on anchors and well, that was not the intent, intention. Uh, and then the second one, uh, so this was the reason that we went with the 2.2 emergency upgrade uh, just before, uh, oh, I believe one day before uh, the Fort Canning upgrade. Uh, so the reason for that was the update masternode RPC had a potential exploit where through which uh, anybody can, if if not anybody, but anybody who can uh, figure out how to brute force certain aspects can mine in a very highly accelerated way, uh, which means they can continue to build their own chain regardless of what everything else uh, is actually happening. So the, the key reason for that was that the staking modifier included the operator address and then we provided we enable the feature for the first time to change the operator address and that so but that happened without a delay and which was uh, you know community members did a fantastic job there uh, so that exploit was discovered right on time I deeply appreciate it uh, thank you for that and uh, so basically because it was did not have a delay uh, people can utilize that to brute force and then continue to build uh, the action that we did there was yeah, we disabled all of these for Fort Canning. Uh, I know a lot of people were looking forward to the reward address, uh, forcing reward address, and then uh, changing the operator address. But uh, we should have it in the next hot fork, uh, the next uh, one, hopefully sometime, whenever it launches in Q1. Uh, the reward address technically was not affected by it. Uh, but the reason we decided to like, pull all of that together was that uh, Update masternode to ensure these uh, these sort of scenarios don't happen again, uh, because update masternode uh, we want to converge all of these features into update masternode so that this is all all of these security implications are handled in one place. So we don't increase the surface area for all of these. So more of these kind of scenarios uh, can't happen. We want to minimize that as much as possible. So since we had the opportunity, we decided to like not launch any of those and then take over that in the next upgrade. And uh, yeah, I think that's about it. And uh, yeah, as a closing note, you know, uh, community feedback is the ticking heartbeat. If that stops, it really does not mean anything. So thank you for that. Please keep them coming. Uh, it helps us improve a lot. And yeah, uh, welcome to any questions. 
Fantastic. Thanks, Thanks Rosanna. Rosanna. Great stuff. Might, might I add uh, one quick thing uh, before we move on to Fusing? It's just that the bug bounties, uh, they were, one of them were reported by Dr. Daniel Kagara as, as usual, a very, very active bug bounty hunter. And we actually have a new security researcher that reported another bug. So his name is Alex uh, Andrea. I'm not sure if I pronounced that correctly. Uh, we're going to be updating the, the website to, to, to show that. So now we have two persons that's actually looking for security exploit. So that's good. Thanks for the contribution, Great. Alex and uh, Dr. Kadara. Cool. Awesome. So the security team is growing. Fantastic job, guys. Awesome. Yo, then, Fushing, are you ready? Okay. Yep, yep. Sorry. So, I was okay. trying to share my screen. No worries. Let's see that we get you on the screen here. One second. Here we go. Yep. So it's time. It's the time of the month again. So let's talk about DeFi chain products. So for November, I think this is a pretty exciting month because I think the loans is pretty much coming in. Yeah, it's pretty coming very soon. So let me share about like what is the approach and what's the timeline moving forward. So before I jump into loans, I thought maybe I could do a bit of sharing about what has been happening through DeFi Scan. So most of you are pretty aware that DeFi Scan has been going through a huge uh, iteration and going through transitioning trans all of our Explorer experience from the previous Explorer into this new Explorer. And today we have nine core features, which is uh, bring out the decks, blocks, address, transaction, and just recently, we included Vault's page, which was uh, one day of after the hard fork, as well as uh, improving on the Oracles. So I think DeFi scan, as we intended, is to provide a scan of DeFi chain. So immediately, we provide a scan of the Vaults. So the Vault itself is providing you the overall latest uh, decentralized loans activity on DeFi chain. So you can look at different votes that's happening, different status of different votes, look at what the community is doing, look at the active loans that is being taken out of the votes. So this doesn't just include uh, any votes that is the community doing, you can even look, look up your own votes. You don't need your DeFi chain wallet to, to check out your votes, you can actually just go to a link that is permanent and it will provide you the details of the information like the collateration ratio, so you can always like keep up to date of information to track your votes health. So other than that, we also make a few improvement to the address as well as the Oracles. I, I, I really appreciate the amount of community feedback on the DeFi scan. I think most of the, uh, the community is trying to brought up about improving the Oracles experience. So the Oracles page previously called the price page. We didn't, at, at the time of implementation, when the price was introduced, you didn't have the capability to filters and filtering with the uh, loans activity. So, we were busy working on loans, but once the loans was done, we have uh, when we have the capability, we implemented the Oracle's page to able to filter. So I think saying all this doesn't really mean anything, which is why I always prepare a demo. So for DeFi scan, so what I mean by the filtering is there's a lot of price, but I think the price is always in the process of by the ticker councils and getting getting them added to DeFi chain. So before they are added, you can see all of the prices and make uh make up what you would like of the prices before the prices get introduced to the system. But you can also filter to see what are actually supported today. So today, that, uh, before the release, so we have four collaterals, which is DFI, PTC, USDT, and USDC, as well as a low token Tesla. You can filter by crypto, you can filter by stocks. So there's something new. So yeah, I think the committee wants this quite a while now. I think we finally got the time to introduce this recently. So other than this, uh, Oracle, so let's talk about uh, the votes. I think the votes is something that's really introduced recently. So I think from the experience itself, to sort of like lay a run through about how the DeFi chain, the DeFi scan looks like. So this is a pretty uh, ordinary blocks. So look at this, you don't really see anything, but this is actually one of the bots that's created one. This is one of the uh, blocks page that created one of the transaction that created one of the votes. So with this, you can actually keep 
a transaction ID and search a transaction ID. And now uh, transaction ID itself also represent the vote. So you can actually filter this and find out your votes. And I think uh, this vote has a few collaterals, which is why I selected this. So you can take a quick overview of what this vote is at. So this is a, a giving you a quick run through of this. So like a vote's details page. So you can actually take a look at the amount of loans being taken out of the votes and the total collaterals being locked into this vote. What is the minimum ratio and what is the total collateral ratio now? And what is the makeup of the collaterals? And the loans being taken out on this vote. So this is really gives you a, a rough idea of how uh, the votes page looks like today. So we are constantly making improvement to this, what you see today and what you see tomorrow might not be the same because we are always trying to make improvement and consensus to improving the design. So yeah, this is pretty much for scan. I think that being said, I will jump to what everybody's waiting for, which is DeFi Chain Wallet. So Light Wallet on iOS, Light Wallet on Android. So where are we today? I I can talk about what we introduced, but I think what everybody's really, uh, we can talk about what we introduced last week, which is the beta testing features and the ability to view your address on DeFi scan. But well, ultimately, everybody really, really wanted to look at how loans will work in DeFi Chain Wallet. So actually, uh, just before this, I actually prepared a quick uh, simulation environment which I created. My network is a bit buggy today, but I hope this works. So give you all a quick run through. So I I prepared a simulation environment. On my left is the uh, mobile app, and on the right is the DeFi scan to reflect the live activity of uh, the vaults. So for the loans itself, so with the introduction, uh, likely coming on Monday, loans will be a new tab. So loans itself, the central piece of loan is actually the votes. So when you talk about loans, loans exist in a vote and it's being backed by collateral. So this is how uh, the decentralized loan mechanism works. So for anything to actually work, you need to create a vote. So for this uh, simulation, I will create a 200% million collateralization ratio votes. So for the vaults itself in mainnet, it costs two DFI to create. So always think of that. And then uh, when you confirm a transaction and signing a transaction, the vaults will appear on your DeFi chain wallet. So the vaults is unique to your address. So each address can have multiple vaults. But in this case, I will use one vault as an example. So once you take out the vaults, for, for you to take on any loan, you need to first put in collaterals. So you can go into the votes page and start adding collaterals. So a votes makeup is always backed by a votes is always backed by collaterals. And for each loan that you take, you have to have at least in this case 200% minimum collateralization ratio. I will add DFI for this. So let's go with that. Yeah, so in, the, in this uh, simulated environment, everything is running on an accelerated pace. So this is what we do for testing. So just to give you a summary that uh, transactions will happen that quickly in the minute. Mm. Yeah. So uh, let me add uh, let me add a BTC. Let's, let's go with one. So the vote itself doesn't just require one collateral. So you can have multiple collaterals. So as I created uh, this vault, you can actually see the vaults uh, being reflected on the right side. So this is the exact same uh, page that you see. So one is on my phone and one is on the public. So you can uh, have your own focus view of your vaults, but everybody else can see uh, the, the vaults happening on the public network. As everything in the blockchain is public, everybody can see the transaction, but there's a anomaly to it because nobody can actually match your address to your vaults. And only you can sign a transaction and every time every transaction you make on the votes require authorization to make on the votes. So in this case, I have a nice 5.24% versus a 47, 4.76% uh, collateral votes. So with a 200% minimum collateralization ratio, it will allow me to take up a loan of, uh, let's say at least about $500. But when you take out a vote, when you take out a loan on 200% collateralization ratio, you have to always be careful about total collateralization ratio versus 
minimum collaboration ratio. So if you take out on a 200% collateralization ratio, if your collateral ratio is 210%, you have only a 5% margin of movement. So always be careful about this. So one that's added, let me take out a loan. So I can look for different loan tokens. So in this limited environment, I have a few things. So let me just choose the uh, USD for this example. And I will choose my most recently created vote and I'll borrow by the USD. Let me, let me go with 200, that's fine. So yeah, so resulting collateralization is always uh, dynamic because the prices are always moving dynamic. So DSD is a uh, sort of stable, but if you are pulling in, uh, in a simple example, if your collectors is uh, USDT and DUSD, your minimum collection ratio and your total collection ratio is always going to stay the same because that's how the mechanism of votes works, USD being the baseline. So, and if you change your amount that you take out on your loan, let's say I want to take out 1,000, you can see that I cannot take out this uh, amount because it will result in an immediate liquidation. And I need 200%. So this will put me at a ballpark of 525. But this is very risky. Because it's right on the border of liquidation. So let's go with 200. So I'm looking at this healthy and unhealthy number here. So once uh vote once you take out a loan of votes, you can actively monitor your collateralization ratio and sort of will give a very good indicator of like what is the price now and what's the price can be uh, in a bit. So yeah, so this is loans, and once you have that, it unlocks the new feature which is tax. So once you have your loans, you can then use that to trade for stocks token. So in this case, uh, in this uh, environment simulation, I accept another uh, DTUSD uh, token. So with this update, we will also be introducing composite swaps. So you don't have, if you want to swap from uh, BTC to uh, USDT, you usually have to go through from BTC to DFI and DFI to USDT. So right now you can jump the loop and directly swap from BTC to USDT if there's a matching pair to jump across. So this is composite swap. So in this case, I will swap my DUSDT to BTC. Yeah, so even though there isn't a pair for this, but you can do it now. Yeah, so this will apply for stock token as well. So if there's a stock token pair, so in this case, I have a stock token pair TTS25, I can swap this around. Yeah, so this pretty much summarize what uh, you will see in the coming week. And this is decentralized loan. So, and yeah, I guess before I uh, end off this, do you have any questions about how the loans will work? Cool. Yeah, so there, there was one question in the chat, uh, if there's a kind of uh, alarm function so that my wallet will give me a notification if I'm running into a liquidation? Yes, is it so I, 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 there isn't one, but I would say that this is something that I, I, I guess we have to wait for the community to do. Because for the DeFi chain wallet, for a non-custodian experience, it is uh, us saying that there, we are not tracking our assets. So if you want us to track our assets, that is a different story. So for this supply chain, we are implementing everything in a non-custodian manner. We don't even know your private key. We don't know anything. We only know, we only provide the infrastructure for you to assess your votes. But if you want to be aware of your transaction, you have to track your transaction. And this requires uh, us to actively know you and know your address. Mm -hmm. So which is why if you want to know uh, alarm kind of system, I think you have to constantly subscribe to the, the votes. So yeah, I think this is something that uh, I think I was looking for looking forward to company uh, com community projects building it. Yeah. 
Yeah, there's also a CFP of the current voting round uh, wanting to implement such a function. Yeah. So that one out, uh, asking the question, have a look on the proposals. I don't remember the, the title, uh, but they're, they are still working on it. So they are the developers of Masternode uh, Monitor. They want to provide a page tracking your vaults and uh, the current state. So it's in progress, I think. Absolutely. Right, Dobby. Dobby, that's it. Yeah. I would. I, think, I, I, have a, I have a quick question regarding taking out the loan and the collateral, right? So you added, let's say, 10 DFI and one Bitcoin. Um, there has to be a certain ratio between these two uh, collateral coins, right? Um, can you, Fushing or Yusin or whoever, maybe quickly explain what the ratio of the different coins has to be because there has to be a certain backing by DFI, right? Without DFI, no loan at the end of the day. Is this correct? Yes. So maybe, yeah, Fushing, go ahead. Yeah. So um, for all of your votes, you need to have at least 50% DFI. So it doesn't matter. Uh, the, it doesn't matter for that you have percent DFI followed by ten percent BTC followed by ten uh, percent USDT and thirty mm percent -hmm. USDT. As long as you have fifty percent DFI, you can have any uh, makeup of your collections. So in this example, I have a ninety-five percent DFI versus a four point seven BTC ratio. So as long as you have a minimum of fifty percent DFI, you can take out loans. Okay. So this uh, is only checked at the taking out loans part of the consensus. Okay, so if you, you want to deposit, yeah. You can load you can load your vault with whatever you want, only in a moment when you take out the loan, it's actually checking is an, uh, enough DFI there to give you the loan that you want, right? Okay, get it. Yes. Awesome. Cool. So okay. I see no other questions regarding your presentation. Then we can change to I have a, I think last part. So ah, you have one more. Hey, I thought you're done. Okay, let's yeah, <laughs> totally forget about the, the roadmap. So for for the decentralized loan, so what we uh, aim to have on thirty November, which is the coming Monday, uh, Tuesday, is the, what you see as I showed you just now. So auctions will come slightly later, by the end of twenty twenty one, probably one week from this release date or two weeks from this release date. Concurrently, we are also working on the light wallet. If you all have seen the GitHub itself, uh, you can actually created a, a preview build of it as well as for the browser extension wallet. So we have both concurrently the desktop light wallet uh, in preview and the browser extension wallet in preview using the mobile experience. And in 2021, uh, we're looking to have all of that experience in all the different platforms by then. Yeah, and continuously DeFi scan improvement and DeFi chain wallet improvement will always continuously link uh, towards the end of 2020. I think there's a small typo here. Okay, Fushing, yeah. short so. question. If the uh, loan auction on Light Wallet is coming end of 2021, if there is a liquidation, how is the auction then working for the liquidation in the meantime? So does the features, so the same thing that is happening now, so any liquidation event, uh, that's happening. I think so far we have at least two. That is happening on the mainnet. You can actually use the full node to run the commands and actually bid for any auctions in the meantime. Yeah. Okay. Good. So let's hope there's there, there isn't any uh, huge amount of liquidation events in the first week. So yeah. <laughs> let's let's see. Oh, we had me. we had one. The highest was four thousand dollars, right? So no, uh, more. Or was it more? Was it uh, I oh, think no. a couple are also split into uh, several parts because there's a limit. Or using there's a limit of the liquidation part. Ten, or? yeah. So every batch is about ten k worth. Yeah, there's one that I think got liquidated in the two batches, so that's more than ten k. Nice. <laughs> so somebody got pick up from that line. Yeah, I'm really missing out. I see that already. Yeah, I better go back to work. <laughs> cool. Hey, Fushing, that's awesome. I mean, the first time that I saw how this works, uh, if, if Prasanna could get the whole thing up to speed, like you showed it, like in the in the accelerated version, it would be also even even more awesome. But it looks super simple. <laughs> it looks super, super simple to me. 
great job, guys. Awesome. Yeah. I'm really, ha really happy to see that. I was really worried it's going to be so complicated. Yeah, fantastic. Silence, everybody like shocked. Yeah. Do you see what you think? Looks I awesome, think, right? Uh, to, to, to be honest, I expected something like that. <laughs> <laughs> so that uh, just a few clicks and you can change uh, your walls and loans. Yeah. Um, but I'm looking forward uh, to Monday. Uh, yeah, how it works then on the mainnet. Uh, yeah. Okay, so. Yusin, you're next. Yep. Yeah, so I'm just going to do a quick okay, let me walkthrough switch or sneak peek on 2022. Here you are. Okay, great. Let me get right. you here, here we in go. the middle. And, uh, yeah, so coming up to the, the hour. Screen share. Just a second, Mark, the bottom of the screen share a little bit is missing, maybe. The bottom, let me see if I can. Mm, okay, hold on a second. You seen It's probably really... okay. I, I, I don't think we're probably okay. It's okay. Yeah. Okay. It's... Okay. Right. No. Better? Yeah. Okay, great. <laughs> Thank you. Right. Let's go. Uh, yeah, we're coming up to the hour. So, uh, yeah, just nice for us to close this with a sneak peek on 2022. Um, yeah, first up on chain governance. So we've been talking about that. Um, so it's going to start, uh, on the next, um, the next release. So it's going to start with DFIP and CFP that we've been doing it on GitHub for the last couple of, uh, cycles now. Uh, hopefully the next one, if not the next second one will be on chain governance. And uh, it will be an automated voting process uh, about every one half month, no one half blocks, so one half month, like our current process, so about uh, 130K blocks. Uh, it's going to happen like clockwork all the time automatically. Uh, no one has to trigger anything. It's all on-chain governance. So the masters just have to vote every one and a half month. And yeah, everything, even the payout is going to be um, automated. And the cool thing about this on-chain governance payout is that it support trench payout. This, I think, makes a lot of sense for a larger projects. So you can ask for a larger uh, upfront, uh, let's say, commitment or, or approval for uh, for larger projects and then pay out like 10K every month, for example. Uh, let's say ask for 100K to pay out over the next 10 months, over the next 10 cycles for 10K every cycle. Um, and yeah, so, it, so it's easier for the community to approve that. And uh, it also makes it more accountable as well. So if the community, is deciding to pull off that further uh, payout, they can still vote for that to to, to be uh, down. And that could be that that could close further payout, obviously, it can claw back, but you can close further payout. So it makes it easier to to build bigger projects. And that's what we want for for DeFi chain for everyone to build bigger projects. And I can see with some of the earlier uh, CFPs or some 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 community members are asking for a larger chunk uh, and uh, hoping that it can be going to be funded and then there's some disruption in the middle and then that makes it uh, harder to, to build larger projects. So it's going to be cool. Yeah, I mean, ETA for this is going to be Q1 2022. I'm going to be a bit uh, more careful on the ETA part because blockchain, our blockchain is getting really, really big now, especially with involving um, a lot more users, a lot more money now, a higher, much, much higher market cap now and much, much higher TBL as well. Everything is coming um, with a lot of a lot of things at stake now. That uh, everything has to be done very very safely and very very securely. So um, yeah, it's gonna get harder and harder to implement um, things in the future. Uh, for example, like POS proof of stake, for example, like um, like on Ethereum, it's taking so long to, to implement because of the amount of money that's at stake there versus other like newer blockchain where. Um, yeah, you don't have to take that long uh, to invent it, for example. Yeah, so we're getting there now. And thanks for everyone's support. And on-chain governance doesn't, it's not going to end on this release. Uh, there are more and more on-chain governance going to come for future releases. Um, like, for example, Ticker Council, that, it's an interim solution that, that will eventually be also be absorbed into part of the on-chain governance over the next uh, future releases. Uh, this will be kind of like the pattern that we, uh, the DeFi chain will do uh for newer things so take time to understand how it works and then bake it into on-chain governance and then um 
let it grow just like um, how blockchain should be completely centralized. Yeah, and the next coming few things, I think we talked about this, but still just to iterate that we don't forget about it and uh, we definitely want to get there as well. So one of the key things about stocks token or loan token that people have been talking about is that how can we arbitrage them because you only have decks to to buy and sell. If it's like underpriced, you buy on the decks, you, you have to stop at the same price of the deck. So you currently arbitrage that. Uh, so futures will allow uh, arbitrage of stocks token if it's underpriced. You can buy it uh, on the DAX and then wait for to, to capitalize it uh, when when it closes on a on a future date. So I think this will be quite interesting for stocks token. Introduce a lot more interaction and a lot more strategy on how people can use all these uh, stocks um, or loan tokens on, on on DeFi chain. And yeah, NFT. I think uh, it's it's a DeFi that's put it there for for a while now. Uh, a lot more things take precedence because we want to get DeFi first. But I think NFT has grown so much in the space and it's very, very active community involvement in building so many NFTs right now for DeFi chain, even without a blockchain support yet for NFT. And yeah, it's a bit like, uh, it's really happy that we have that uh, very vibrant NFT community among DeFi chain users. But at the same time, we're also a bit sad that, yeah, it's, it's, it's happening on the other blockchain, like on Ethereum and on other blockchains. So it could have happened on DeFi chain so and uh, nft on DeFi chain we should we should have it uh soon sooner rather than later and nft it's gonna it's gonna be really good because it creates a ton of user generated content and even there's even possibility of someone creating a DeFi chain metaverse right so see the trend there like uh cfp they can ask for bigger projects and an nft metaverse so someone please put in a proposal for to build a metaverse for DeFi chain with a larger uh, CFP, that would be awesome. Yeah, so NFT, I think we'll see a lot more interaction. So that's gonna be pretty cool. And yeah, futures, um, it's part of, um, op I mean, options. Um, yeah, it's another thing that um, we've been talking about for a while, it's part of Pink Paper. Uh, it's, um, yeah, it's still on the roadmap that we wanna do it. And the way that um, we imagine the future options uh, on a Pink Paper is that uh, it will be quite unique that uh, you can kind of um, like a yield mine uh, options as well. Um, so that's quite interesting on the whole interaction part. So yeah, that's, that's, uh, let's see. And on the product side, uh, yeah, I mean, Fushing has talked about that just to um, iterate as well on a high level, what's coming on the product side, desktop light wallet, um, that's gonna come. And desktop full note wallet, it has been, I mean, we still have a full note wallet, but for example, like new features uh, for loan is not going to be there. Uh, the reason is because uh, it's going to be migrated to a more uh, stable environment, a more stable code base that allows us uh, to build, to expand in a safer manner. So desktop phone the wallet is going to come uh, next. And it's very important for DeFi chain, for uh, blockchain, like uh, things should be decentralized. And uh, I think we're one of those projects out there that have so many full nodes sitting out there in the world that a lot of even larger blockchains don't even see that a lot of them are basically a few uh larger players are running those nodes uh but we're really thankful that a lot of um, our users i mean the user of DeFi chain and everyone it's actively building and actually running a full node wallet so this is very important for us to continue to build in this space yeah atomic swap UI, I mean, it's not forgotten. Uh, there has been <laughs> there has been multiple. Um, it has been tackled for a bit, and then okay, we got to put it on hold because we have this loan token that's coming up. We should focus on that. Um, yeah, it will. We'll, uh, the team will get back to that. Uh, so it's not forgotten. It's still there. Atomic swap is still there. There's still the Bitcoin uh, swap that's happening. There's still some people using it in a short, a small amount, just to try out. Um, I think UI is still going to be key to allow for active usage. So it's not forgotten. It's still coming up. Uh, hardware wallet support, it's also very important. Uh, we're at this juncture where DeFi chain is worth, I mean, yeah, soon it's going to be worth $50, right? Everyone's saying that it must be true. So hardware wallet is very important. Uh, and another key thing is enterprise adoption for DeFi chain will require uh, multi-sig infrastructure it support it technically support multi-sig right now, but in order to use it 
uh, in an enterprise environment, it's going to take a lot more um, um, effort to use it properly. So multi-sig infrastructure for DFI and DSD will also be part of the roadmap for 2022. Um, all of this is still, I mean, we're at this stage there. It's becoming more and more serious now. So a lot more safety things has to be in there to support all this future uh, growth of DeFi chain. Yep, and not forgetting EVM. Uh, there's a DFIP currently um, undergoing roading right now. Uh, if it passes, then EVM will be part of roadmap for DeFi chain. And um, so there will be a, um, uh, I'm not, I'm, I hope I don't, uh, I'm, yeah, I'm not, I hope I don't say this wrong. So there will be a new uh, node that is built on, on Rust and uh, it's going to be based on the best practices and improved testability. So it's going to be 100% compatible with existing native DeFi transactions. So EVM is going to be built on top of that. And it's way more modern uh, code framework and allows the, the whole um, node to scale to extend in the future in a more uh, safe manner. I mean, it's good that we're based on Bitcoin, but Bitcoin code, code base has been more than 12 year old now. So there's a lot of data things in there. And you can see that Prasanna also presented just now that uh, the team has also done a lot more improvement on the on the C++, um, like the pattern and uh, and, and uh, features that are, that are in there in the code right now. It's becoming quite dated now. Um, um, yeah, and with EVM uh, cross-chain support, and also with the C CFP of uh, Dana Figara. So um, hopefully the cross-chain support will happen sooner rather than later, because that's also very uh, important for DeFi chain to be a part of the uh, global DeFi ecosystem out there. That's largely all happening on EPM blockchains today. Um, yeah, I think that's kind of like the um, 2022, kind of like a sneak peek on what's coming up. I know it's nothing new, but to pack it to also revise to update everyone on what's what is there to come um yeah i'm pretty much really looking forward to uh, action by 2022 you can see the whole thing the whole environment product side uh DeFi scan wallets and uh co um, blockchain code base and even release cadence and all these are are uh, please i'm not uh can you bring up the slide again I'm not, I still have slides to go. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, yeah, so I mean, it's getting more and more mature now. So um, you can see it's all looking really good for us there, uh, 2022. So yeah, I do have one more thing. I mean, we're not the, we're not at the end of 2021 yet. We're, we're at the last show of 2021 for Tech Talk, but we're not, we're not at the end yet. We're still waiting for decentralized loans and tokens to be activated and to be used and i'm still really curious on how it's going to look like on the interaction i'm really really looking forward to to the end of november and december to see the the, the increased usage of DeFi chain so yeah road to 50. i'm um, looking forward to that that's it thanks so nothing more nothing more that's it okay nothing more no. <laughs> sorry for that awesome no so problem. many things to come uh Yusin, we've got we've got a a question from one of the viewers here Maybe we can flash that quickly. I think it's an interesting one. Somebody says, a personal opinion of all the um, devs here in the talk today, one positive and one questionable aspect each for EVM. Somebody asks uh, pros and cons. Maybe everybody can give a short statement, Prasanna, pushing you in. I guess, uh, no, I, yeah, I guess like, yeah, the the pros will definitely be a lot more extended. Um, um, to join to the whole larger DeFi ecosystem, but the the con would be okay. We've been talking about native DeFi for so long, and now we are uh, we are actually joining the, the the larger bandwagon of having a full virtual machine uh, on on the blockchain. So I think for DeFi chain, it's gonna still have both worlds. It's not eliminating the native DeFi side. So. Yeah, it will weaken a little bit on our like native DeFi voice out there, but still maybe instead of weakening, it can actually be strengthening as well because you can experiment on EVM and then build it on native DeFi for added security. Cool. Mm -hmm. All right, so uh, yeah, I guess I'll go next. Uh, I, I think at the end of the day, like, uh, whoever goes first would have answered <laughs> exactly <laughs> what you said answered here. Uh, uh, but yeah, I'll, I'll try to go with another uh, perspective. 
Okay, so the other perspective, I would take a look at both advantage as well as disadvantages. Uh, I think the challenge of it from the development side, uh, mm. since I, I share everything that, uh, I share the view that everything that using shared, beyond that, I think it's gonna be both the positive as well as the negative, because positive is, uh, you know, the challenge of it, right? So it's it's fun to take that on. But the negative of it, again, is, uh, you know, we are deviating from native DeFi. So we have to be extremely cautious on how do we incentivize the native DeFi and then how do we continue to bring all of this on board while doing so uh, and the security implications of it. So building that framework around it and then evolving slowly is going to be an incredible challenge. A lot of work for you guys, for sure. It's not going to be an easy one, right? No. Pushing, do you want to say something to the EVM story? <laughs> What's your feeling about it? Uh, <laughs> I would say, I would, I, think it's, I would say from a developer's perspective, I guess it's pretty exciting, especially in terms of like the possibility, because yeah. when you talk about coding, you're talking about in terms of a doing complete environment. But if you, if you also talk about coding, you also talk about the amount of each uh, cases you have in a, in a doing complete environment, so there's always that. And I guess if there are so many uh, available, so many from a product perspective, especially there are so many possibilities with EVM. Then how much uh, user experience are we going to create for all of those user experience? It's going to be immense. So so I guess my thought is the cons is much more work on the product side. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. So, uh, one of the cool things is yeah, people are talking about notifications, right? So mm -hmm. if you have EVM, you can build that in a decentralized manner. Yep. Right? So, uh, yeah, so those are the possibilities that will open up. Okay. So it mm -hmm. makes everything so much easier at the end, right? Okay. Then maybe another question from Dominic. Uh, I think it's regarding the liquidation. Uh, could the tranche also be in USD value based on the Oracle for DFI USD? I doesn't. Yeah, that's actually a very good question. Um, yeah, it's currently in DFI. Maybe since we haven't uh, upgraded yet on the blockchain, possibly could. Yeah, maybe we could think about making that a possibility as well, but we'll see have to discuss with the, with the blockchain team and see if that can be done. Mm -hmm. Okay. Also okay. in a timely manner, it's also another key, key, key thing. Okay. There's another question from Andreas Neuherz. He asks, um, when you run the auction on your full, on your full node, do you need the coins also on your full node wallet? Is that correct? Um, I'm not sure I understand the question entirely, but I'll, uh, so in order for you to bid on an auction, you don't, uh, you don't need to have any relation to the vault. So as long as you have the funds, you can just bid on the auction from a, any full node wallet. Uh, so I, I don't know if that helps answer that question, but, um, at the end of the day, blockchain, uh, the products are, you know, they are a window into the blockchain, right? That's. That's what they are. Uh, so the product side, even if some of the features, because for product side, always features are going to be evolving. So on on the blockchain side, yeah, you can take it up. The the one small difficulty is due to the uh, the the wallet compatibility. If you need some feature set which requires that particular address, then that's going to be a bit of a challenge at the moment. But beyond that. Since uh, auctions that don't really have anything to do with your particular address, there shouldn't be anything that, that stops you. Okay, awesome. I found another one, a quick one. Somebody said, I think this is about uh, changing the collateral in the vault. If he sets up a, a, a vault with 50-50 and then can he change after the collateral, after he got the loan, is a change in the collateral possible? I think that's the question. Pushing one, I think then. So from my understanding, so the question is, once you take out a loan on a 50 to 50, 50 uh, minimum DFI ratio, you can continuously add more uh, collaterals to that vault. But if you were to perform any mutation, uh, mutating actions that will uh, sort of paying back a loan, 
is one of the mutating actions. Taking out more loans is one of the mutating actions to the vote. And withdrawing from the votes is also one of the mutating actions. So those were will, those will cause uh, the validation check on the 50%. And the 50% is always dynamic, so it's always moving. So you can technically perform it on a 49%, uh, on a 50% ratio. And, it, and when you were to perform it, it dropped to 49 and you would, you would block my validation on the yeah. uh, sequence. So short answer is ultimately, you can change the, sorry. Yeah, that's all right. Uh, yeah, ultimately, if you are taking a loan, at that point, you need to have 50% EFI. And then if you're withdrawing from the vault, again, it needs to be 50% of the vault. Right. It needs to be beyond that, yeah, you, you're free to do whatever you want. Yeah, so you can change the, the ratio uh, below this 50% just by adding collateral, right? Yeah, any overall, other option yes. is yeah, over the world. Yeah. So any other um, action is not possible because then you will check if you have this 50% DFI part. Good. Okay. Yo, DC, do you see another question that we didn't answer yet besides some marketing nope. question that we're not going to discuss today? Cool. Guys. Awesome. Fantastic. I'm, I'm, I'm really hyped. I, I don't know how you guys feel, but I have seen this the first time. It looks so simple. And I think everybody was looking forward really to see this in action. I can't wait to get my hands on the light wallet. Hopefully all going to work out with Apple and they're going to list our application on time. Yep. And yeah, hey, so much thanks for being here tonight at the last uh, Tech Talk 2021. And then I hopefully see you all again in 2022 in January in the first Tech Talk, end of January. Yeah, with uh, a big pool of uh, stock tokens, hopefully. <laughs> cool. Guys, thanks for your hard work and thanks for the support. And I think everybody out there is going to have a nice Christmas. And let's run to Road to 50. Let's make that happen. I think we've got the tools now, the text there. Now it's all about spreading the good word out there and bringing more people in and growing the ecosystem like crazy that we reach our goal together pretty soon. Thanks everybody out there for watching tonight. Um, if you see the recording, leave us a comment and a like there. We're going to answer some of the questions, of course, even later. Otherwise, guys, see you in the next talk 2022. Have a nice evening. Thank you and bye bye.